Good evening. Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be back. Hey, let's tell them thanks for our supper. A good job on our fried chicken dinner tonight. Glad you're here. We're going to get back, get started in our Bible study. Uh, first off, let's start with the word of prayer tonight. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for, again, a settled hope in Christ for a peace uh, that's fixed in Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the word of God that is truth that is true, that speaks, that convicts, that leads, and then all of it that points us to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, uh, we come and, and we're thankful for your word. I pray as we study it tonight uh, that you would speak, that you would lead, that we would grow, and that we would draw closer to you. I pray for our, our children's classes meeting, our other adult classes, our youth meeting tonight. I pray that a foundation of truth is, is stacked upon, is built Tonight, Lord, we trust it to you, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've had a break for Christmas. We're back at it tonight. Uh, a, our, our topic tonight is really a piece of our study. It's, it's going to be a topic. It's not going to be a set of verses. There's going to be verses we look at tonight, uh, but there really is no specific text, but we're going to look at a topic that we need to understand uh, as we study the Bible, and that is the topic of prophets. Uh, our, our paper there is Lesson 34, Thus Saith the Lord, and it's going to be a, an overview of the topic of prophets. Our key point tonight is this. God uses people to communicate his word. Through their faithful obedience to speak his message, God is able to warn, to correct, and to instruct people. Now, a couple things there. It doesn't say only his people. He does uh, use prophets for his people. He also instructs, corrects, leads other people as well. So it's not only his people, but other people as well. Um, through their faithful obedience, uh, we're going to see tonight as we go through our study, they have to be faithful, they have to be obedient uh, to speak his word, to, to carry out, carry forward his message. And so the, they have to be faithful, they have to be obedient. Now, think about that for just a second. God uses people to communicate his word. That is his plan. That is his choice. Uh, he uses people to communicate through, to speak through. When I think about that, I think there has to be a better way to speak than through people. There has to be a better way to communicate. If he could just put out a sign, if he could just send us a big flashing arrow, if we wake up and there's a message outside and it, and it tells us what we need to know, there has to be a better way but for whatever reason, God has chosen to speak through prophets, to speak through people and their faithful obedience to deliver his message. That is his plan. All right, so key point, God uses people to communicate his word. That those people are prophets. A basic definition, uh, we could get a little bit deeper in this, but this is a basic definition that we will work off of tonight in our study. A prophet is a person called by God to speak his message. A prophet is a person called by God to speak his message. It is an interesting thing. There's not a set uh, of qualifications for a prophet. When you get to the New Testament, when you have the office of, of pastor or the office of, of deacon, uh, there's a, an exact description. They'll do this, they'll do that, they'll meet these criteria. There's no such listing like that for the office of a prophet. Uh, some were men, some were women, a couple were even kids. Uh, they come from different backgrounds, they come from different experiences, 
uh, different, different education levels, all sorts of different uh, stations of life. And so the, the common denominator is this. They're called by God to speak his message. Their authority to speak uh, doesn't come from their great lineage, doesn't come from their great education. Their authority to speak comes from God himself. He calls them, he places them, he sends them. And so their authority to speak, when they show up to deliver the message, comes from God. And so, again, it's not on some fancy uh, list of criteria that they've met. Okay, we'll listen to them. No, it is the authority that comes to them, given to them from God. And so that's the basic definition uh, of a prophet that we'll, that we'll work with tonight. Next thing we'll see is the prophet's purpose. All, right? All the way through Scripture, our, our verses tonight, our, I wrote the entire Old Testament. That's our uh, basis of understanding tonight. Their purpose is to speak God's precise message courageously and correctly. Uh, that, is, that is their purpose. Now, there's a couple things to that. They had to speak it correctly if they delivered part of the message, but not part of it. If they, the old game where you tell somebody something, they tell somebody something, and they tell somebody something, and usually there's always some weird kid that thinks he'll add something funny, and he'll mess up that game, and it comes around, it's something different. It has to be precise. It has to be correct. And so they have to get it right. It can't be some of it left out, some of it added to. It has to be the correct message. And then it has, it has to be delivered courageously. Um, they were not to consider the audience. Now, that's a hard thing to do. Go tell them that. Well, they're all mad, or they've all got <laughs> knives or whatever. They're not supposed to consider the audience. They're not supposed to say, well, this message would better fit them and not them. They're not supposed to consider uh, the, the person that's going to hear it, uh, the audience, They're just to be courageous and correct in their delivery. Let me show you some verses here on that. Exodus chapter 7, verse 2. I'm just going to run through some verses. You can listen. You shall speak all that I commanded you. That's the instruction. You shall speak all that I commanded you. The entirety, nothing left out. Another verse, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. Now we start to see a, a really a common thing here. Most of the time, and many of the times when they bring a message, uh, the people weren't too excited about it. A lot of times it was uh, the people were antagonistic toward the message they were receiving. And so he says, do not be afraid of them. When you bring the message, you're faithful, but you be courageous. Do not be afraid of them. Ezekiel chapter 2, another verse, verses 6 through 7. As you, son of man, neither fear them or their words, but you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not. Now we see something new in this verse. Um, he's going to deliver the message, the prophet is. They're going to be courageous in taking it, not considering the audience, but the hearing is up to the people. This, this person's not responsible for their hearing, uh, for, their, for their receiving it, but just for their hearing, whether they listen to you or not. Okay, so we have God uses prophets, God calls them. Their authority comes from God, from the fact that they are called. Uh, their purpose is to carry a precise message, 
to do it correctly, to do it courageously. And then that brings us a little bit further tonight. All right, the next part is this. The biblical record, the biblical record. This is on your sheet. Here's something that, that is a strange thought that we might not think about or we might not consider. The vast majority of God's speech through prophets is not recorded. That, that means the majority of what was spoken, carried by prophets, spoken by prophets, we have no record of it. It was a specific message for a specific time in a specific situation. So you know what? God had a message for this camp or for this tribe or for these people or for this situation. So a specific prophet would carry the message to those people, but there's no record of it. The vast majority, the Bible tells us that, the vast majority falls into that category. It's not recorded. It was delivered. It served its purpose. They heard it. They either received it or they didn't but it's not recorded for us. However, God recorded in written form the messages he wanted people of all time to have. Now start to see what we're building here. A lot of the messages were spoken. They were specific to a situation and there's no record of them. But the messages he wanted people of all time to have are written down, are recorded, become part of our written Scripture. These messages make up our Old Testament. So what are our Old Testament scriptures, the, the Hebrew scriptures? These are the prophecies, the words of the prophets that God intended for people to have, and so they're put into written form, and they become our written record, uh, the Old Testament. Be sure, and, I, and it's not happenstance, uh, be sure God is deliberate and he's intentional in what we possess. Now, that's going to be a theme that carries all the way through Scripture. It wasn't, well, this guy recorded that and it, it made it, and this guy recorded that, but it got lost somewhere. God is intentional. God is in deliberate in what we have and why we have it. Also be sure what we have, and we're going to talk about what we have, what we have is not the message of the prophet. Sometimes people say, well, that's what Jeremiah thought. Well, that's what Isaiah thought. Well, of course, Isaiah thought that. When you get to the New Testament, well, that's just what Paul thought. They'll use the same line of thinking. What we have is not the message of the prophet. It is the message of God delivered through the prophet. Okay, so start to see this. We have a written record. It makes up our Old Testament scripture. It is deliberate. It's what God has intended for us to have. It's not the word of the prophet. It's the word of God through the prophet. Now that changes everything. Because it is God's word, there are some things that are, that are attached to that understanding. This is not just some people's words. These are, these are not some things that some guys thought were good ideas. These are not some things that are just put together in history. These are the words of God deliberately recorded, preserved for us to have. Because it is God's word, let me tell you some things that that, that means. First is this, because it is God's word, it is correct. It is correct. You're not going to say, well, there's an error right here. Well, they forgot to write this. Well, it was a little bit different, but this is just what we have. Because it is God's word and God is, God is correct, 
God is infinite in wisdom. God is perfect, infinite in all these things. His word is correct. It is trustworthy. Just like if God were to speak to you, his word is trustworthy. So if he says, this is how it happened, this is what he intended, this is what he's describing, we can say, well, that is trustworthy because it is the word of God. It is true. It is true. We can, we can say the same thing. It's, it's trustworthy because it is true. Here's one that sometimes we forget, and that is this. Because it is the word of God, it is authoritative. It is authoritative. Um, now, what that means is the word of God, because it is the word from God, carries with it the authority of God. So when God says, don't do this thing, well, that's just a prophet saying that. Well, that's just somebody that recorded that. No, it carries the authority of God himself. It is God's speech, and so it is authoritative. It, it carries the authority of God. About 10 or 15 years ago, I was in, in seminary class, and we had, a, we had a big discussion on, is the word of God authoritative? Or is it something where, hey, this is helpful, this is good, but it doesn't carry the authority of God? No, it is his speech, so it's, it carries the authority of God as if he were saying it to you. Here's another part. Because it is the word of God, and he is infinite in all things, he is eternal outside of time, his word is relevant. His word is relevant. Now, that's a, that's a pretty amazing thing. His word is relevant in the setting that it was spoken. It is relevant in the, in the settings that he intends it for it to be heard and embraced again. His word is relevant. To show you how crazy that is, go back and pull up um, a medical book from just 50 years ago. And if you do this practice, you're probably going to die. If you do this practice, you're going to get malpractice. If you do this practice, you're going you're to mess something up. Science changes. Practices change. Um, something that was relevant um, in, in, in 50, 60 years ago, um, it, we say, well, that was silly now. We, that's not what we would believe now. I think about um, one, and I don't, I don't know how crazy this was, one, one winter, uh, probably in the early 80s, uh, we're stripping cotton. My brother's about a seventh grader. He decides to jump off of the cotton stripper into the trailer, and he hits his head on the corner of the basket, and he gashes his head, big old gash in his head. Uh, we put his hat on. We tried to hide it from my dad as he's stripping. We didn't want him to have to stop, and it starts bleeding into his face. And so we put cotton in his hat and then put his hat on again, and we eventually walked down to Granny's house. And here's what Granny does, and I don't know where in the world she got this, but we got out of her house, and I, I, you know, I don't know where all she got this, but if you have a big gash on your head, you shave that part of your head, and you put butter on it. And I don't, all that makes is a, is a bloody, buttery mess on your head. Um, we actually snuck in a different room, called my mom, who came down and picked up my brother, took him to the ER, and they have to get all that mess out of his hair. I don't know what day that that was good logic. Maybe it was never good logic, but we would laugh today when someone tried to do that. It's the same way now. God's word is relevant. No other thing stands like God's word. No other, no other thing can be relevant in all these different time periods like God's word. One of the things as a preacher, when I preach, um, I'll preach a message and I think, man, this is the point. This is what God is saying. 
And I'll stand back here, and if someone leaves, they'll say, well, boy, God was saying this to me. And I think, well, he could have been saying that, and maybe he was saying that. And someone else will say, and there's been a couple of folks that said, I'm mad because you must be listening to what we're doing because that's exactly what's going on with us. And I go, how is it relevant here and relevant here and relevant there? You know how it is? Because God is infinite. God is outside of time, infinite in wisdom. And so, therefore, his word is relevant. So, because it's God's word, it is relevant. All of that to say this, it is no different than if God spoke audibly to us. The Bible is the word of God. Get used to saying that. The Bible is the word of God. It's trustworthy. It's dependable. It's relevant. He's faithful. And so we can, we can go and trust it. The Bible is the word of God. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1, it says this. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us, in his son. Now what that says is God spoke to the prophets and then he has spoken to us finally in Jesus. The apostles speak the message, the account of Jesus. So what is our Bible? It's the account of the prophets, the apostles, and the words of Christ. All right, so that's, that's our Old Testament. That's the, 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 how we get it, why we have it. Um, some other little specific things about it. The biblical record of specific prophets is found in the Old Testament. There are 16 books in our Old Testament that are tied to these specific records. If you go, and I'm going to read through them here in a second, they carry the name of 16 different prophets. I didn't know this until I got to, to school as an adult, but we actually classify the 16 prophets as Major prophets, there are four of them, and minor prophets. Now, if you've heard that, you're ahead of me when I started. Well, there's the major prophets. There are the minor prophets. There are four major prophets, and there are 12 minor prophets. Now, the thing to understand about that and where I was wrong, I would think, well, a major prophet, they have to be a big deal. That's Isaiah. That's Jeremiah. That's the big dog prophets. And then maybe Hosea or somebody else is a lesser prophet. Understand, it's not talking about their importance. It's not talking about their value. It's not talking about any of that. It's talking about the amount of written record, amount of written words that they produced. And so when you have Isaiah, Jeremiah, their books are big, and some of these others are small. And so a minor prophet, they're not lesser of importance. They're not lesser of mission uh, they just have less or fewer recorded words in our Bible. So that's the difference in the major prophets and the minor prophets. Uh, there are four major prophets that are responsible for five Old Testament books. Uh, Jeremiah is also the book of Lamentations, and there are 12 minor prophets. On your sheet there, you have a list. Let me read through it. There's some that won't have a sheet that are listening at home. Um, I'm going to tell you the prophet I'm going to tell you the audience, and then I'm going to tell you the approximate time that they were speaking. All right, the major prophets. Isaiah was speaking to Judah, the southern kingdom, in 739 to 685 B.C. Jeremiah was speaking to Judah, the southern kingdom, 627 to 580 B.C. Ezekiel was speaking to Babylon. That was in 592 to 570 B.C. Daniel 
was Babylon and Persia, both 606 to 530 B.C. All right, moving down to the minor prophets. Hosea was speaking to Israel, the northern kingdom, 755 to 715. Joel was speaking to Judah, 830 to 750. Amos spoke to them both, Israel and Judah. That was in 7060 B.C. Obadiah was speaking to Edom, 840 to 830 B.C. Jonah was speaking to Nineveh. Now we're going to talk about him in a couple of weeks, 780 to 740 B.C. Micah was speaking to Judah, 740 to 700. Nahum was speaking to Nineveh, 640 to 620. Habakkuk was speaking to Judah, 608 to 605. Zephaniah speaking to Judah, 640 to 609. Haggai speaking to Judah, 520 B.C. Zechariah was speaking to Judah, 520 to 480, and then Malachi was speaking to Judah in 420 to 400. So those are our major prophets. Those are our minor prophets. The distinction is not their importance. The distinction is the amount of written words that are recorded in our scriptures. All right. From there, there's, a, there's another subject that really runs side by side with this subject that we need to understand, we need to be clear about as, as we move through our study, and that is the subject of false prophets. Now, I want you to think about this. Our God is truth. He says that. His word is truth. John chapter 17 says that. We are saved by receiving the truth. It's that big of a deal. If you don't receive the truth, if you get a half-truth or a diversion, uh, a distortion of the truth, you can't be saved. We're saved by receiving the truth in faith. So if you think about that, it just makes sense that Satan in his opposition to God would attack the truth. Now think about that. If we're saved by the truth, if God is the truth, then Satan would make a lot of sense to attack the truth. Well, one of the ways that he does that, there's several ways, but one of the ways that he does that is in the appearance of false prophets. And so here we have this, this reality of false prophets. These people, these false prophets, they claim to have the message of God. They proclaim to have the message of God, and yet they are declaring falsehood instead. So you have the prophet of God that's speaking the truth from God, and they're courageous in it, and they're, and they're correct in the precision of it. And then you have a false prophet that shows up and says something that God has not said. They declare falsehood instead. Now, let me tell you what happens when that happens. When that happens, people are led astray. Sometimes the entire nation is led astray. Sometimes, now this is an interesting thing, and we see a description of it in the New Testament. Sometimes God's people actually seek out false prophets, false teachers, because they have a more acceptable message. And so if the real prophet shows up and says, hey, this is a sin, hey, this isn't going to work, hey, you need to repent of it, and a false prophet shows up and says, hey, this is fine, God's okay with it, this is no big deal, they would seek out the false prophet. It was a more acceptable message than the true message. And so lots of times God's people actually seek out and exalt false teachers, false prophets, because they have a more profitable message. All right, now here's the deal. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, there are many warnings against false prophets. 
there are many warnings against false teachers. Well, if Satan plans to lead us astray, to lead us into trouble with false prophets, God is wise and God is gracious and God is generous in warning us about false prophets. So, there are many verses, starting all the way through the Old Testament, that, that tell us, hey, here's what, here's what you can expect from false prophets. Here's a warning <coughs> about false teachers, false prophets. A great chapter is Jeremiah chapter 23. Um, in Jeremiah 23, I would encourage you to go home and read that, maybe read it tomorrow. Um, it is a description of these false prophets, these false teachers. I will tell you this, in our day, with, with the rapid spread of information, with the internet, with all the stuff we have, we are living in a day of false teachers, false prophets. You get a, you get a platform and you can say anything and, and they use part of our language and part of our words and false teachers are springing up, false teachers, prophets are gaining validity and we live in that day. And so if you read Jeremiah 23, it's for this day, but it's also gonna describe uh, the things we can expect from false prophets today. All right, let me go through a couple things. I'm not going to read a whole bunch of these verses. You can. Here's some things that false prophets do. False prophets, Jeremiah 23, verse 1, they cause harm. They cause harm. Sometimes we go, well, not that big of a deal. Well, it's, it's, it's just what it is. They cause harm. False prophets cause harm. Second thing, false prophets are evil. False prophets are evil. That is in verse 2. I think especially in our day, I'm sure in their day as well, people are tempted to say, well, they just got it wrong. Well, they're just misled. Well, they're almost right, but there's a few things that are weird. A false prophet opposes the truth, leads you away from truth, and hates the truth of God's word. That's what a false teacher is. Well, they're 90% correct, but there's just 10% that's false. They are opposed to the truth. They are leading you away from truth. That is the work of Satan. That's what Satan does. They are evil. Third thing, they are sinful. They are contaminated. Verse 11, there's a reason they're a false prophet. They are sinful. They are contaminated. Verse 11. The next thing, they are known and will be judged by God. That's in verse 12. They are known by God. They will be judged by God. Here's something weird about false teachers, false prophets. Sometimes it seems like, man, they're doing well. Nobody, nobody suspects. How do they have such a big following? How are they doing so well? Doesn't God see them? Doesn't God see that? Well, here's the truth. God does see it. God knows it and God will judge them. I would hate to stand in their shoes in that judgment. God sees it, he abhors it, and he will judge it. They're known by God, they'll be judged by God, verse 12. Here's the next thing. False prophets lead the people to sin, verse 14. So they're not just saying anything, they're leading the people to sin. That's verse 14. False prophets, the next thing, they speak their own words, not God's. Well, that, that just makes sense. If you're not speaking God's word, whose words are you speaking? They're speaking uh, their own words. I'm going to read that. That's Jeremiah 23, verse 16. <clears throat> 
Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination. They dream these things up. They figure these things out. They speak a vision from their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They speak their own words, not God's word. The next thing, they lead people to be comfortable in sin and rebellion. All of these you say, man, that looks like our day. This for sure looks like our day. A false prophet leads people to be comfortable in their sin. Let me read verse 17. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say calamity will not come upon you. Now what this means is this. God says this is a sin. God says you will, you will suffer in this sin. They come along and say, is it a sin? I don't know that God hasn't changed. I don't know that God has a, a different opinion of that. And, and they lead you to be comfortable in that sin. Think about our day to day. Inclusiveness. Well, maybe there are more than, than two genders. What in the world is that? Well, maybe marriage can look like something else. Maybe, maybe that's an old definition of marriage and God is coming around and love is the greatest virtue. Uh, things that God has called a sin, well, maybe that's different than it is. Maybe that's something we don't need to worry about. False prophets lead people to be comfortable in their sin. You know what? We ought to be not comfortable in our sin. We ought to be stirred to repentance and turning to Christ in our sin. We're sinners, but a false prophet comes along and says, not that big of a deal. Hey, the world's changing. Don't get too upset about it. False prophets lead people to be comfortable in their sin. Next one, false prophets are self-commissioned. That's in verse 21. They appointed themselves. God didn't send them. God didn't call them. God hasn't enabled them. God hasn't empowered them. But you know what? This looks like a pretty good gig, and they commission themselves for it. False prophets base their false declarations on dreams and visions. Verse 25. If you read that verse, they, they wake up and say, go gather the people up. People all gather up. And they say, I had a vision. They did, God didn't give them that. I had a dream. God didn't give them that. And they're, and, they're, and they're basing their authority, basing what their revelation is on some dream or vision. Verse 25. Here's another one. They steal words from each other. That's in Jeremiah 23, verse 30. They steal words from one another. True then, true now. Look at false teachers now. And they quote each other for validity. This one says something crazy, and this one says that's true. They quote each other. They plagiarize each other. They steal each other's stuff. There's nothing original. I guess it's hard to come up with crazy stuff. And so they hear somebody else's crazy stuff, and they just steal that. They steal each other's words. I could give you some examples. You probably know some. Verse 30. They boldly claim to speak from God. Verse 31. Can you imagine the audacity it takes to say, this is what God has said, and God hasn't said that? Can you imagine to come and, and, and to go into a group or to go into a pulpit and say, 
God's word says this. This is what God has said, and that's not what God has said. They boldly speak, claim to speak from God. Last verse, verse 32. They are useless. They're of no benefit. There's nothing good about them. They're not going to build up God's people. They're not going to help in some way. They are useless and of no benefit. The Bible gives one description. They're like a cloud that looks like a rain but never rains. You ever have, here's a cloud, and we need a rain, and that looks promising, and here it is, and then everybody says it always splits and goes around Vernon, Texas. Um, that's what these false prophets are. It, ooh, it looks like a promise, but they're useless, and they're of no benefit. I've got an activity we're going to do very quickly. Let me grab this bag. So you're going to bring that bag. Carl, you want to help us out? <laughs> All right. You're going to put this on. On your on your eyes. I didn't have six to do it. <laughs> You're gonna find out. All right. Can you see? Okay. There are some things in this bag, and I'm gonna make the sound of that thing. He's not gonna see it, not gonna feel it, not gonna touch it. But you're going to tell us what that thing is. So you're gonna hear the thing, and it's your job to guess what this thing is. Now, this is the first thing. You're going just but sound. Some type of a whistle. Pushing on it. Maybe a zipper? That is a zipper. He got that. All right, you're, you have one round. That is a zipper. All right, here's the next thing. Sounds like clippers, but it's not clippers. That is a ballpoint pen that says Calvary Baptist Church. I'm clicking it. I knew that. <laughs> All right, here's the next thing. I'm going to explain these in a second. I know you're going to know that. That is a deck of cards. Now, when I was a kid, you could play dominoes in the Baptist church. You couldn't play cards, but I guess we've changed. That's a deck of cards. One last thing. Sounds like dice. Sounds like dice. wonder what he does. I don't know. <laughs> All right, you can take that off now. <laughs> Good job. Good job. The point to all that, besides showing us that he goes to, I guess, Vegas a lot, I don't know. The point to all that is this. How do you know what you're hearing? How do you know what you're hearing? You have to know what it sounds like. You have to know the truth. How do we judge? We have to go by the plumb line of God's word. You have to know God's word. You don't have to take my opinion for it or a church or denomination you have to know the word of God. We check it against the word of God. It, it has to be true uh, with the word of God. It's not going to be opposed. It's not going to be almost 
You know by knowing the real thing. How do you know? You have to know the real thing. How do you get misled? You do not know the real thing. All right, all of that brings us back to one last topic tonight, and that is this. As we think about prophets, the role of prophet, what what is a prophet, how does God use a prophet, Uh, it brings us to the question that we might be wondering, are there still prophets today? Are there still prophets today? Does God use prophets today? Are there still people that are speaking for God outside of his word today? And, and, And I could give you two different answers They're both the exact same thing, but let me explain it this way. The plain answer is this. The plain answer is no. No. Now, listen to me very carefully. Don't misunderstand that. Does God still speak? Yes. Is God still speaking today? Yes, certainly. But he does it through his word, the Bible. Now, think about this. The Bible is sufficient. It is enough. In the word of God, God is preserved in the prophets and through the apostles, and finally through his son Jesus, the words that he wants us to have. In the Bible, the word of God, we have everything we need to have to know about God, to know about people, to know the condition of people, to know the need of a Savior, to know about sin, to know about the promise of a Savior, Jesus, the coming and the work of a Savior, Jesus, finished on the cross, resurrected. Uh, We know what it means to be saved. We know in the word of God how to live as a saved person. We know what to expect as saved people, that Jesus is coming again. God's word is sufficient. He has spoken. And so listen, is he still speaking? Yes, through his word. Is it timely today? Yes, through his word. The Bible is sufficient for us as God's people. Now listen, there are people today, uh, teachers and preachers, Uh, God calls them, God gifts them, and God empowers them. And you might say they have the role of a prophet today, but they're not speaking new words from God, additional words from God. They are speaking the word of God. They are speaking the word that we have from God. And so, you know what? They can expound on the word of God. They can explain the word of God. But what do they preach? What do they teach? It is the word of God. It is sufficient. We need not additional words, corrective words. Well, that was wrong, but here's a correction. Mormons, they have two other entire books to build on the Bible. Well, we have the Book of Mormon. We have the Pearl of Great Price. It seems like they're making new adaptations today. You know what? The Word of God is complete. The the Jehovah's Witnesses, they have a whole different uh, translation that they try to call uh, the Bible. It's not the Bible. We have the word of God. It is sufficient. We have what we need. And so we go to the word of God, our Bible. All right, that brings us full circle. Here's how we're going to wrap it up. There are prophets. God calls them. God sends them. They speak his word. It is spoken in his authority. Most of it's not recorded. What he wants for us to have is recorded in our Old Testament scripture. It is actually his word. It is sufficient. It is perfect. It is trustworthy. All the things that we would say, hey, that comes from the nature of God, show up in the word of God. That office, now we go to the Bible. We go to the word that we have from God. Now, 
All right, so we have the minor prophets, we have the major prophets, we have all these things. It might start to seem like we have all these disjointed things. Well, here's how I want to end tonight. The messages of the prophets were not separate. They were not independent, unrelated accounts. Now listen, that happened over there, and this happened in this kingdom, but they're not unrelated accounts. Each of them independently, and then in our Bible, assembled collectively, are telling of a single unified message, and that is the coming of Jesus, the need for Jesus, and the hope that we have in Jesus. You want to know what the prophets were talking about? They're talking about Jesus. You want to know what the Old Testament's talking about? It's talking about Jesus. All of it is unified. All of it is together, assembled collectively, pointing to Jesus. We have the provision of a Savior in the person of Jesus. Very simply, it's, it's easy to say this, important to say this. The whole thing's been about Jesus. The whole thing's about Jesus. It all rests and stops with Jesus. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and we're going to be dismissed. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. I pray, Lord, that we would be immersed in it, that when we hear it, we would say, hey, that's the word of God, that we would recognize it, that your spirit inside of us would confirm it and that we would walk in obedience, that we would be shaped by it, that we'd be led by it. Uh, I, I, I pray that we'd be people of your word. Lord, I pray for our kids that are learning that again. I pray that it's important that they hear and that they remember that, it, that it's a, a block that's placed and stands. I, I pray for our, 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 our youth learning as well, that they hear, they would understand this is, this is God's best. This is what he leads us to do. This is how to live, and he's directed us in his word. And then I pray for us in this room tonight. I pray, that Lord, that we understand. I pray, Lord, that, that we leave here impressed by the word of God. More than that, uh, impressed by the Savior of that word, Jesus. Uh, I pray as we go back to our, our week, the things we do, I pray we be faithful to look like you, to point to you, and to honor you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.